Welcome to the Fifth Estate. They bring you the story. We bring you the truth. The Fifth Estate is the news behind the headlines, holding those in power in check. And now, with the real story, here's Cameron Blewett. Good evening, Victoria, and thank you for joining me here on this uh, episode 67 of the Fifth Estate Podcast. Uh, in this episode, going to be talking a little bit more about uh, Dan Andrews and his helping China. Uh, it's even been mentioned in the Daily Mail. Um, have a continuing discussion on Pauline Hansen uh, from her tweet uh, that she did to uh, in response to one of the watermelons. A uh, bit of about language about uh, law enforcement. And I thought I would kick it off with a little bit more of a discussion about the uh, libertarian policies of the Liberal Democrats. So, uh, now this one is in response to an email that I received uh, telling me that I uh, was going a bit hard on the Liberal Democrats, uh, that, you know, that they are libertarian uh, and that I shouldn't be so hard on them because of this, that and everything else. So... I thought I'd start this one off by actually asking what are their policies on anything. Uh, as I said in the uh, previous episode, I actually had a look at their website. There was no mention of anything to do with policies on their websites, even going and having a look at the uh, – uh, where is it? The relevant Facebook pages of the various candidates. No mention about anything. It's just um, talks about liberty, talks about something, uh, you know, what is it? What's their policy? Uh, what's their policy on education? Do they want to keep education the way that it is? Do they want to defund the education department, which is something that I want? Uh, what are they going to do with money? Is the money going to follow the child or are they going to continue to fund the education industry? Uh, what's their policy on roads? Libertarians should have views on roads. Um, you know, everything like that. There is nothing. They just seem to be running on their, uh, what would you say, that they got two candidates in and try and use that. Well, there's nothing. Uh, having a look at their website now, even today, there's still no mention of any policies on anything. Um, you know, so how are they libertarian? Uh, that You know, no mention about reinforcing private property rights. No mention about, um, you know, private firearms ownership. No mention about uh, Victoria Police, about disbanding Victoria Police or even breaking it up and uh, decentralising the power. That The power that Victoria Police does have at the moment is broken up into other organisations uh, or, or even, you know, yeah, actually, yeah, broken up in other organisations. doesn't even have to be government-run. There's no mention about hospitals. There's no mention about um, uh, work cover. There's no mention... I mean, look, look at all these things that, that we're being over-regulated with in Victoria. Not one mention of it. I mean, so how, how, how are we supposed to vote for them? How are we supposed to say... Or how are we supposed to believe that they're libertarians? Um, you know, I, none of them have mentioned anything. There's been no rants about, um, you know, my favourite one is of uh, getting rid of Victoria Police, uh, either constitutionally or that they've exceeded uh, their authority and they've 
broken their social contract with Victoria. Uh, you know, there's no mention of that. So, I mean, okay, taking this one, for example, Victoria Police, you know, you could still say that, you know, they don't want to defund the police as such because I understand, oh, it's going to be a touchy-feely thing. So let's say we want to break it up. We want to move different licensing and regulation, move that out of the hands of Victoria Police, move it into the hands of the gun clubs because to be a uh, firearms owner in Victoria, you need to be uh, a member of a club. So why not move the responsibility for licensing and registration into those clubs? Um, You know, put it back to the clubs. I mean, we do that with, uh, what was it? Uh, as I said, you know, like scuba diving, I said in the previous episode, that's done through one organisation. I mean, you know, there's different schools that you can go to, um, all sorts of things like that. You know, that's one. Um, you know, there, there's so much. I mean, get rid of speed cameras. Um, then, then you know, it is a um, very policy bear uh, political party and, you know, as – as I mentioned in, the, in that previous episode, oh, but, you know, they're going on the 10 freedoms. Well, those 10 freedoms don't really, uh, in the Freedom Manifesto, my apologies, uh, don't really apply at the um, at, at the state level. Uh, okay, here's a single sheet. Uh, let, okay, 10 policies to save Australia. Freedom from COVID alarmism, yes, that could be state-based. Recall elections, well, I disagree with that. Uh, debt and deficit, immediately cut 10% cut in government spending by defence and additional 1% to cut the Commonwealth debt, debt is repaid. Um, obviously, transfer that to the state one, yeah, maybe. Uh, low taxes uh, is federal, voluntary superannuation federal, some whole business, yes, that's state. Cheap and reliable energy, yes, that's state. Decentralised education, yes, that's state. Uh, free speech. Well, as I've said, uh, I changed my view on free speech. I don't think free speech actually exists. Uh, what I do believe that there is is a uh, private property rights or a contract right with the uh, provider of whatever it is. So that could be your website host. So you have a contract with the website host to post whatever, uh, as long as it's not uh, you know illegal or against the the laws. We'll forget about these uh, community guidelines and all that sort of kerfuffle. Uh, so, you know, you've got the speech on that. You go to a town hall or you go to a, you book a hall somewhere. So you've entered into a contract to use those facilities for, for that purpose. Well, then you, you're able to do that there. So there's the private property rights from that one. Uh, as I said, you know, I, I don't think free speech exists. Uh, it's something that is a private property right uh, for that one. And then, okay, so... This ties into, uh, sorry, and their last one was freedom from surveillance. Well, uh, yeah, so, you know, it could be federal and state uh, and all that. So going back to their free free speech one. So what happens? Um, You know, your uh, ability to, you know, your, your right to free speech, that's infringed upon. What's the recourse there? Oh, we'll take it to court. doesn't matter. By the time you get to court, your speech or whatever it was has, has been ignored. Uh, your inability to do it would have continued until the court case and even then that depends on whether they agree or, or decide to abide by the findings of the courts if you've taken it to court. So, um, you know, what's that? How do you enforce it? And 
you know, it, it comes back to the thing is that the state shouldn't be the one that has the monopoly on violence. Uh, and that's another thing. If libertarians, they, they would be talking about the, that a lot. Uh, no mention on that. So, yeah, it, it's a thing. As I've said before, I don't believe that they are a libertarian party. Uh, I since uh, very, very strongly disagree with that. I, I think it is... Um, an insult to those who are libertarian. Uh, I think that what that does is by uh, convincing people that they are libertarian is that you, uh, for, for the um, more politically naive, will believe that these guys are a libertarian party and then that's what they view libertarian as, is that, uh, you know, a, a group of people that, you know, say that they're one thing but then don't do anything to push it um, for that one. So, yeah, it, it, it's, I will admit, it's a bit of a, a bugbear of mine. Um, I think this will be the last one that I, last time, that, hopefully the last time I mention it. Uh, I'm not interested in trying to convince people that they're libertarian or that they aren't libertarian. If, if you are that politically naive that you believe that they are, well, then so be it. My job isn't to wake you up. My job is here, is to uh, share my thoughts. And if someone wants to actually look further, and I do recommend that you do, don't take anything that I say as gospel um, f- from that part. Have a look at uh, genuine libertarian organisations, especially overseas, um, especially in America, um, what their policies are and what they do and how they uh, respond to big government and, and everything like that. So, uh, yeah, it, it's it's the thing. I don't think they're the libertarians at all and um, I just, you know, goes to show the um, that they're taking advantage of the political naivety of those of us in this state. Anyway, um, get off my soapbox for that one. Um here we go. Daily Mail. Oh, this, I mean, the, the Daily Mail has to be the, the prime source of, of material uh, for, for this podcast and, and and all that. So it's just like, well, yeah, it, it's just one of those, um, you know, news sites that um, may be trashy but maybe not. But, hey, man, there's still so lots, a lot of material on that one. Now, speaking of material on that one, we're talking about Pauline Hanson. Uh, supposedly she was in Parliament today and uh, the Daily Mail has doubled down, uh, says that Ms Hanson has doubled down on it, saying that she will drive uh, Maureen, Maureen Faruqi uh, to the airport. Uh, so this is obviously um, over Ms, Ms. Faruqi's uh, comments about... Uh, Her Majesty, the passing of the the Queen, um, our our late monarch. Now, as I said before, I agree with what Pauline has said. So if this person isn't happy in this country, well, then, you know, she can go back to Pakistan. Um, She made the choice to uh, renounce her citizenship to that country to become an Australian, uh, to stand in Parliament. Um, Obviously, there's that, um, what is it, Section 44, of the Constitution about um, uh, dual citizenship and all that sort of stuff. So she's obviously known what the country was like, um, how the country was run, that we were a, uh, or we are a constitutional monarchy uh, and, and all that sort of stuff. So she still made the decision to renounce her, um, you know, citizenship by birth 
to become an Australian citizen. Now all of a sudden she's decided that no, she can't do it. Well, if all those years it was fine for her to do that, why is it now? And this is the thing. You know what? As as it is, if she's not happy, she can go. I mean, um, I don't think that um, these watermelons uh, are doing anything to build this country. They're not in service um, to the people or in service of the country. I think they're in service of themselves and their own agendas. Um, now for... Uh, one of the senators to call um, Ms Hansen a scumbag in in the Senate. Uh, I think that that is probably more indicative of them rather than uh, Ms Hansen's comments. And this goes back to the thing. Okay, free speech hasn't, you know, they've both got the right to say that. So um, Maureen Faruqi has got the, the, going by free speech, has got the right to say that. Absolutely. Not saying that she shouldn't say it or anything like that. But then by the same token, Ms. Hansen's got the right the same right to respond any way that she has. And that was to to, you know, nick off um, back to Pakistan. Now, for this to be dragged into the Senate chamber uh, just shows you that uh, these people uh, the watermelons in general are, are happy to dish it out. And yet when they're uh, on the receiving end of something or something that, that doesn't fit their agenda, then they get upset about it. So, um, you know, I, I still think that it's, you know, uh, Pauline Hansen's um, got every right to say that. Um, so it's, what was it? There was a, um, originally moved to, that the Senate condemns, um, so it was a motion, condemns all discrimination against migrants and people of colour, blah, 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 and censors Senator Hansen for a divisive anti-migrant racist statement telling Senator Faruqi to piss off back to Pakistan, which does not reflect the opinions of the Senate or the Australian people. Um, Well, you know what? This is the thing. Um, Why should the Senate censor a senator for something that happened outside of the Senate chamber? Um, for that one, well then, you know, why not throw it back is that um, Ms. Faruqi, when she became a senator, pledged allegiance to Her Majesty the Queen and has done it to His Majesty the King. Uh, so, you know what, you, you can't have it both ways. You either, you know, pledge allegiance to the person and then you've just got to suck it up or you say, no, I'm not going to pledge allegiance, in which case you can't get your cushy job that you've got now. So, you know what, there's that just shows you, um, I think, what evil children that these people are uh, for that one. So, now there's that. Now, speaking of evil children, uh, our friend and um, beloved leader, Supreme Andrew, Supreme, Le- Supreme Leader, Supreme Leader Andrews has uh, done his little press release today, uh, Australia's biggest renewable energy storage targets, Um Andrew's Labor government will introduce the biggest energy storage targets in Australia, driving down power bills, creating thousands of jobs and boosting renewable energy investment across Australia. Um, Driving down power bills is bullshit. Uh, Creating thousands of jobs is doubtful and boosting renewable energy investment are possible. Uh, Premier Daniel Andrews and Minister for Energy Lily D'Ambrosio, who's the... 
member for Mill Park and she actually doesn't live in Mill Park. So, you know, that just shows you what that regime thinks of those people who vote for them. Uh, so, and they, going back to this, today announced the nation-leading targets alongside a $157 million package supporting renewable energy generation and storage projects, projects across the state. Uh, Victoria, which will reach a massive 2.6 gigawatts of renewable energy storage capacity by 2030, with an increased target of 6.3 gigawatt of storage by 2035. That's enough renewable energy to power around half of Victoria's current homes at their peak energy use. Now, as I've said before, is that this whole green thing is done solely to benefit China. It's just a money laundering thing. Um, You know, Dan's big um, uh, ocean wind farm is there with blades that are going to be made in China. Uh, Pushing this thing for batteries is to help China. And I've ranted about that a lot. And now all of a sudden the Daily Mail comes out today and says, China's very clever pot to make Australia dependent on it for electric cars like it is for virtually everything else. And it's already happening as Labor pushes its green agenda. So um, Tesla's manufactured in uh, Shanghai were by far the most popular fully electric vehicle. Uh China is already dominating Australia's electric car sales with a whopping 83% of the 83% market share even before petrol cars are phased out. Uh, so and this is the thing. Why? Why are we giving money and supporting a, um, you know, are, are they a, um, uh, what is it? political enemy of this state of the, of this country um why are we doing that why are they such a big trading partner with what they're doing and yeah it, it it's the thing um so you know this isn't talking about the batteries uh the batteries that are uh, they use for renewable the um what are the the, the minerals um i can't remember what they call them now I have a bit of mental blank there um, the the, the um, precious minerals like cobalt and all that sort of stuff and, and lithium that they use in that uh, predominantly come from Chinese-controlled mines. The, the batteries are made in China. The wind farm uh, blades are made in China. They're non-renewable. They'll get shipped out here. So then we've just got a big dig hole, dig big holes to bury them. Um, so, yeah. Um, Going back to this article now, Australia is even more reliant on China for electric vehicles than it is for anything else. Almost a third of Australia's imports come from China with telecommunications equipment, computers, furniture and prams topping the list as supply chain constraints bite. Uh, Chinese cars, however, have only a small 10% share in Australia with more than 95% of new vehicles still sold having a petrol or diesel engine. Top sellers coming from Thailand, Japan and South Korea, but China is cleverly dominating the EV market. Um. So yeah, that's very, very concerning. Uh, what does it say? Uh, top-selling Chinese-made electric cars: Tesla Model Three, Tesla Model Y, MG S uh, Z S EV, uh, Polestar Two, Volvo C40, Volvo XC40, and BMW iX3. Uh, 58 were sold in August and 349 so far in 2022 uh, of the Tesla Model 3. 2,380 
was sold in August. Uh, so it brings a total of 7,037 so far in 2022. Now, this is a thing. Uh, this green push that these different uh, ideological parties have um, is, is not going to help the country. It's not going to help the state. It's not going to help anyone apart from China. So it's just sending more money offshore. Uh, it does very little to increase manufacturing here, which is what we should be doing, uh, which is something that what well, didn't Albanese uh, promise that he was going to boost or, or reinstate local manufacturing? Um, how you can do that when we have such expensive labor cost and energy cost is beyond me uh, for that one. So, yeah, it, it, it's the thing. We need to just turn around and stop. I, I think maybe go cold turkey. Just say, no, that's it. No more dealing with China. We can make uniforms here. Uh, the Australian Defence Force should not be buying uniforms from China. Uh, Victoria Police should not be buying uniforms China. No one should be buying uniforms from China, um, especially as a government-run organisation. Um, but that one, so, yeah, it, it's the thing. I think that it's it, it's just something that we need to be doing because if, you know, if, if worse comes to worst and um, Taiwan is annexed uh, or whatever they want to call it, then what are we going to do then? Um, what's going to happen then? Because uh, they'll just have uh, such a control on everything. Um, and once again, uh, this is not for the people. This is for the authoritarian regime of China. We need to start standing up to them. We need to say enough is enough, uh, whether it's ranging from the, the, the treatment of the Uyghurs to whatever else it is, um, even their... Uh, involvement with um, Russia and their whatever's going on there. So, yeah, we, we need to just turn around and say, no, enough's enough. We'll just put embargoes on it, um, you know, let's impose an import duty on it, let's impose something. Uh, there should be um, some room for the state of Victoria to um, penalise the country uh, for, you know, for what they're doing and, and all that sort of stuff. We'll just move away from it altogether. So, Anyway, um, enough of that one. Now, the uh, thing I wanted to close on with tonight, uh, back to the Daily Mail again, uh, their uh, title says, uh, headline is, uh, read the disgusting text, text sent by a cop who shot Aboriginal teen dead using unspeakable words to refer to Indigenous people. Now, I think that what the, the, the painful discussion that we need to have is that uh, this language that is used isn't um, isolated with this uh, this matter and I think the uh, Constable Rolf is being used as a scapegoat. Um, uh, you know, he, he's, he's just a scapegoat for, for whatever's going on. Now, um, I would like to say that I think that this... Um, bad language or uh, what do they call I think it goes on later on about dehumanising um, yeah I think that the, the yeah there we go um, it could lead to indigenous people being dehumanised now let's say dehumanising language I don't think is um, specific to that state, um, I would hazard a guess and say that uh, a lot of the uh, what would you say more specialised 
groups within various law enforcement would have similar language to define everyone. That's how they compartmentalise that they're not going after another human being. It's a particular person. Uh, it's a particular, you know, dehumanised object. Now, for that one, now I'm going to, uh, way back in another life, I was a transit officer in Queensland and the language used by uh, that profession um, ag- against uh, people was very, uh, let's just say, disgusting. I mean, uh, if most people knew how um, that um, those those individuals or that that role, how what they viewed of them, um, it, yeah, it, it, it's going to be one of those things. Is that you, you know, you wouldn't, uh, you, you know, you'd expect more from that, and especially for a uh, a body that was supposed to be customer service. Now, um, in, in line with that, obviously, one of the common ones was, you know, if someone copped a couple of fines, and there's people that you know were known throughout the network for copying fines for fair evasion uh, and, and all that sort of stuff. And, you know, their common things was called grubs and that was something that they picked up from somewhere in Queensland Police uh, for that one. So, you know, that was a bit of language there. So, you know what, it's not a passenger, it's not someone, it's a grub. Um, and then obviously being public transport, there was a lot of uh, individuals who... Uh, had certain challenges, um, you know, with in in their daily lives. Uh, for that one, um, you know, various, um, you know, intellectual disabilities and, and all that sort of stuff, and they were commonly referred to as spoons. Um, and that was a special person operating on our network. Now, this is the thing. Um, I, will, you know, acknowledge I never, um, whilst I never. Um, uh, you know, use those words. I never um, participated in that. I was essentially powerless to say anything to, uh, you know, to to push back about it, to say anything about it. So, you know, I just kept my mouth shut about it um, for that one. So, you know, because it, it's, it, it's a thing that culture was so ingrained in that organisation that um, for anyone to make any comments about that would just, you know, essentially be a, um, you know, a, a terminal move um, and then there's no way you could change it anyway um, because, yeah, it was just that ingrained that, um, yeah, it, it was just the thing. So, you know, transit officers in Queensland, revenue protection, um, you know, yes, they had some superpowers and, and all that sort of stuff but most of the time you're just walking around in a white shirt uh, trying to get people to buy tickets and feed off seats uh, and things like that and you know obviously you know there was the odd Barney and, and, and all that sort of stuff but you know it, it's a thing for um, for a customer service role to have that sort of language for people you can imagine what uh, law enforcement would be like and then even more of the specialized law enforcement and you know you, you can imagine what coming back to Victoria now how um PSRT no it's not PSRT um what is it critical response um port and the SOGs uh you can imagine the language that they would use 
to differentiate um, themselves from the people that they were going after, that they were detaining. There wouldn't be, um, you know, as, as we saw from their response, is that there was no way that their training would, uh, you know, let them be aware that they were dealing with another human. It was just someone that needed to be taken down or um, a particular threat neutralised or, or anything like that. So, you know, this is the thing. Let's just not make, you know, let's not delude ourselves into thinking that it's just something that uh, is relevant to New South Wales and this case. Uh, it, it is something that would be across all specialised groups and the more uh, high-stressed or more uh, particularly specialised the group is, the more I would say that there is uh, a, a dehumanising factor uh, with regards to the people that they're going after or, you know, that they're, that they're to respond to. So um, I, I think it's the thing is that if this um, matter continues, it should be a wake-up call to everyone that, um, you know, our police forces or services throughout this country have uh, exceeded uh, their social contract with the population and they're going into, um, you know, they're, they're starting to become something that they're not designed to be. So um, as I've mentioned before, you know, you know um, Victoria Police I think is, um, uh, you know, I would say, um, happily argue, you know, if given the opportunity uh, in a court of law or anything like that, that they are a military force. Um, you know, as I said, you know, you have a look at the, the uniforms, the tactics, um, you know, the rank structure, um, even what they come down to. I mean, you have a look at, you get a bear cat, you know, you can't just import a bear cat uh, into the country. You have to get, um, I think it's AG approval because of uh, the... Uh, I think it's a it, it's a it's a restricted item or something like that. Um, so you have to get approval from that. You have a look at the weapons that they use. Um, average Joe Blow can't go down to, you know, uh, his local Bunnings or his local gun shop and pick up uh, whatever semi-automatic rifles they have. Can't go down and pick up whatever body armor that they have. Um, so, you know, it, it's a thing is that, I mean, look, even an allied, um, LRAD, uh, low range acoustic device, I mean, that is, was started as a defense weapon. That was a military weapon. So why is a, um, civilian peace organization, which supposedly they are using military weapons? Um, you know, the left love to say that, um, uh, what, quote unquote assault assault rifles are weapons of war. Well, why does a police force have them? Um, what do they have? Um, let me have a look at um, Wikipedia here and see what the weapons are. Um, uniforms, no working condition, structure, equipment. Um, okay, operational safety equipment. Officers are issued with an MP40 um, semi-automatic pistol, also carry mass aspect ban um, OC spray, which you can't have, um, which is a... Um, 
class E? Classed as a class E weapon or something like that. So you can't have that um, as a uh, law-abiding citizen. You can't have that one. Um, where are we? Do, 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 do. Oh, can I send me a piece? Um, okay. Uh, December 2019, Victoria Police, uh, 300 def- Daniel Defence semi-automatic rifles, uh, DDM4V7S. Um, rifles were issued to public order response and 24-hour regional uniform stations. Uh, Shepparton stored in vehicles. Over Sandra and police are able to be trained in are to be trained in use of the rifles. Uh, June 2020 and completed by the end of 21. Soggies and CIRT both issued with the Steyr, uh, with correction, with the SIG MCX SBR rifle and a variety of shotguns. So the SIG uh, MCX is a carbine semi-automatic rifle, assault rifle, selective fire variants only. This is according to Wikipedia. Um... What is it currently? Cartridge, five five six. So two two three, um, five point five six. Uh, so that's what it's fired in. Um, so you know what? I as a you know any law abiding firearms owner would not be able to get hold of one of them. You know you would. I mean you couldn't. So you know what? How can it not be a um, a, a military force? Because what they don't what they have isn't available to. Um, to the, the civilian population. So anyway, that's my big grant on that one. Um, the Daniel Defence is another um, AR style. Um, I think it's 5.56. Yeah, 5.56 five, five, NATO. Uh, so that's the thing is that, you know, they've got them. You know, yeah, so anyway... Um, but this is the thing. Um, so where was I going with that? Oh, yes. So language with law enforcement, I think that it is is something that we need to acknowledge is everywhere. Um, there is a dehumanising factor that they have to have that uh, because if, you know, how could you get someone from Soggy or CIRT or Port or something like that to turn around and say, hey, that's your neighbour, you know, treat them with kindness and respect and, and all that sort of stuff as we're supposed to do, uh, you know, adhering to Peel's principles of policing, um, which they can't do that because their job doesn't allow that. Uh, so that one. So anyway, uh, I think that's about it. I might finish off this one here. Um, but that, yeah, as I've said before, pe- people, folks, guys, everyone, um, this election coming up in November is an important one for the state. Um I think that we need to send a clear message to the uni party that we're not going to ex- accept their uh, their um, how they no, they're not governing us they're they're um, lording over us they are the the evil class um, who have decided that you know we're just their peasants they're going to do what they want. Uh, there's no representation from the electorate. There's no involvement. I mean, uh, we've got an election, election, what is it, two months away. How many of you have heard from your local member? Um, I haven't received any propaganda um, in in the time that I've been here um, from any of the local members. Um, actually, no, I think there was something from Craig on Darkie 
um, last year or something like that. But he's been, you know, he hasn't sought, been pre-selected. So he's out um, for that one. So, yeah, you know, what's it, – it's the thing. You know, how, how are you supposed to engage? How are you supposed to hear them? Yes, they go around to the opening of chip packets and all that sort of stuff. But that's only engaging with a selective few people and, and not even engaging. They're just turning up, um, you know, to say that they're out in the community um, for that one. So anyway um, – we, we need to send a message to the uni party that we're not going to accept what they're doing and we do need to vote in um, genuine independents and genuine parties who are uh, looking to uh, rein in or, or wind back the, the government controls uh, or the, the, the government overreach that we've had uh, for the last couple of years that, that have just, you know, gone unchallenged by um, the the you know, the uni party that's in um, quote-unquote opposition. Uh, so as I said, um, you know, would love people to join the Australian Federation Party, become a member. Uh, you can do that at australianfederationparty.com.au uh, forward slash join or member or something like that. I will include it, a link in the show notes um, for that one. So, yeah, we, we do need to uh, pay more attention to the voting that's going on and who we're going to vote for. Um, and even then uh, where our preferences are going to go to as well because we don't want to have another situation where people that are in parliament, um, you know, have got less than 1% of the vote, of the primary vote, but because of preference deals and, and whispering and all that sort of stuff, they've been able to get into parliament. Um, so, yeah, so it, it's a thing. Um yeah, so anyway, as I said, I think I'll end it there. Um, now, for those who have asked how do you get contact with me, um, if you've got a bit of a rant or question or, or something like that or you want just want to have a have a crack at me about something that I've said in one of the podcasts, you can email me two ways, either newsroom at the fifth estate, uh, fifth dot estate or Cameron at the T-H-E-F-I-F-T-H dot estate. Um, we'll include links to that in the show notes as well. So... Anyway, once again, guys, thank you for listening and I look forward to having you join me on the next one. So until then, bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Fifth Estate, the news behind the headlines. Until the next episode of The Fifth Estate releases, we'd love for you to leave a review wherever you go to for quality podcasts. And we'll keep holding those in power in check.